with the first jewel claim. Oh, it's a photo of the Derby! Mystics in! The race for the Triple Crown erupts into an epic party. The Preakness Stakes, May 18th on NBC and Peacock. Sunday, May 26th, the greatest spectacle in racing returns. The Indianapolis 500 on NBC and Peacock. 33 of the world's fastest drivers go head-to-head -head for a chance to kiss the bricks, taste the milk, and claim their place in racing history. Experience the drama, the pageantry, the tradition. Live from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the Indy 500. Sunday, May 26th on NBC and Peacock. Or listen on Sirius XM NBC Sports Channel. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. Oh, what do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. <laughs> oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. All right, it's a Wednesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Peter King, Chris Sims, Mike Florio here with you. And Chris Sims yesterday on his Unbuttoned podcast with Paul Burmeister did something that uh, is sufficiently fun enough to make its way into the top of this hour, and that is an effort in redrafting the top 10 from 2016. We talked earlier about the 2017 redraft that Chris did. So now he's working his way back. Chris, I don't know how many years you're going to go back. I suggest you go all the way back to the year that Phil was drafted. One a week, every year. And let's see where Phil ended up in the top 10 in the year that he was picked. But uh, this is interesting. And there's some names that jump out at me. Uh, not because they're there, but because they're not there. But let's start at the very top. And hello, everyone out there who's enjoying the program as we start a new hour. Our friends in the UK and in Ireland. I haven't said hello to you all in a while. I apologize for that. But we are thinking of you, and we are with you, and we are glad that you are with us. Now, look at the very top. Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott. Chris, I'll let you defend yourself here, because I think many people would say that it should go Dak Prescott, then Carson Wentz. What caused you to put Wentz atop of Prescott? Well, listen, you, you know this. I like both a lot. You know, I do. They're, they're both phenomenal football players. They're both top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I think they're both in that conversation of somewhere between 6 and 10 in the NFL, depending on who you talk to and what their opinion is. I would probably say Carson Wentz. You know, Carson Wentz to me is just a more physically gifted player than Dak Prescott. And I don't say that demeaning Dak Prescott. He's got an amazing physical ability, too. But, hey, 2017, I still would have gave my vote to Carson Wentz, even though he missed the last three games of the year. He should have been the MVP of football that year. You saw what he did last year with nobody around him and really putting the team on his shoulders on a weekly basis and got that Philadelphia Eagles team with a bunch of people where, Mike, you and I and Peter are in the business where we were watching games going, wait, who the hell is this guy? Where did he come from? I don't even know him. So, that, to me, is why I would say Carson Wentz is just a notch better than Dak Prescott. Peter, who would you have taken first? Uh, I would have taken Dak Prescott. I would have had Chris Jones, two and uh, DeForest Buckner, three, and then I would have gone with Wentz. Um, I, I, a couple of, just a couple of thoughts. I think when you do these drafts, which are always fun to do, but when you do these drafts, I take into account injury. 
And, okay, so two of the guys in Chris's top 10, I would have in the top 10, but I'd have them both lower than Chris has. And that's Joey Bosa and Carson Wentz. You know, Carson Wentz has missed 13 games in his first four years. Uh, and uh, the uh, I'm trying to be fair with Wentz and Bosa because when they play, they're both tremendous talents. But to me, you know, Bosa's missed parts of two seasons also. So that has to play a role. in. And, and I really wonder, like, for instance... What would I have done if given the choice right now after four years, Yannick Ngakwe or Joey Bosa? And and again, Bosa on his best day is better. But if he's going to miss a bunch of time, I mean, you have to factor that in. Yeah, that's a fair point, Peter. Yeah, and you know, you're absolutely right. And we don't know how injuries would have played out differently in a different team, but You've got Bosa, Chris, going to the Chargers, so it's apples to apples because that's exactly where he landed. As I go farther down the list, I see Jalen Ramsey at number four ahead of Tyreek Hill at number five. Mm. Look, Tyreek Hill would have been picked a lot. He would have been picked a lot higher than round five if he didn't have the off-field issues. But now that we've seen what he can do, I don't know how you keep him behind Jalen Ramsey, because even though Ramsey started strong, you know, just like Peter says, Chris, you've got to factor in the injuries. I think you have to factor in the pain in the butt factor as well, where Jalen Ramsey forced his way out of the team that drafted him. If you use that fourth overall pick on him, are you setting yourself up for that same outcome where you would have to trade him? Whereas with Tyreek Hill, you keep him around long-term like the Chiefs have. Well, yeah, listen, I didn't go that deep down the wormhole. But, I mean, you're right. You make some valid points there. We could also sit here and argue that, you know, hey, it seems like everybody in Jacksonville liked Jalen Ramsey except for one guy, and that guy's not there anymore. So maybe that guy was a little bit of the problem, too. And you know who I'm talking about. That is Tom Coughlin. But very close. I mean, you're right. I mean, listen, I I sat here and was going, man, Jalen Ramsey, Tyree Kill. You know the one reason I took Jalen Ramsey? I mean, Jalen Ramsey from get-go was asked and supposed to be, like, in the conversation for best corner in football. And he's pretty much answered that. Last year was not his best year, but, of course, yeah, he had to move teams. And he still helped out that Rams defense when he went there. And I think the other thing that gave me the nudge a little bit is I don't think I've seen anybody defend Tyree Kill better than Jalen Ramsey and and since Tyree Kill's jumped on the scene. I mean, Jalen Ramsey, the past two seasons – uh, has given Tyreek Hill some issues when he covers him man-to-man. I think he's the best at covering him in the whole sport. You know, the, uh, Peter, who the would only you other take comment I'd make about... Uh, I'd definitely take Tyreek Hill uh, because of the pain in the rear end factor. I almost said it. Um, but wait, you guys are like, Tyreek Hill's not a pain in the rear? Like... Tyree kills as Boy Scout now? Did we forget last offseason? Like he's he's not a pain in the rear. There was not, nothing ever came of that. You're, nothing you're ever came right. of that. You're no, right. Nothing okay. ever came of that. No uh, charges were filed. Nothing ever came of that. Don't get me in trouble again, Chris. Nothing I'm ever just happened with it's that. A pain in the rear. He still was a pain, whether the charges happened or not. He was still a pain in the Chiefs' butt last year. That's all I'm saying. Sorry to cut you off, Peter. I didn't mean to. Yeah. All but but the only other point I would make is that, you know, NFL teams want several things out of a draft okay in my opinion in the first round they want sure things and they want sure things at important positions okay there are two left tackles in this draft 
you know, Laramie Tunsil particularly, and obviously Ronnie Stanley. Ronnie Stanley, you're talking about a Boy Scout. That's him you know, with the right. Ravens. They've got their left tackle for the next decade. So I tend to want to go more with sure things, which is why I want DeForest Buckner high. I want Chris Jones high. I want Dak Prescott high. And listen, you put him in here, and I would put him one in one A with Tyreek Hill, and that's Michael Thomas. I realize he doesn't have the speed and the game-breaking ability, but he is the most competitive SOB and also the guy who every day wakes up and says, I'm getting better today. That's what I want on Sunday, and that's what I want on Monday through Saturday also. That's why Michael Thomas is right there at number six or seven in my top 10. Yeah, and I like the fact that Michael Thomas is the second receiver off the board because he'll still be pissed off that he wasn't the first <laughs> receiver taken. He's already fueled by the fact that he wasn't a first rounder. And my God, guys like Laquan Treadwell were taken before him. But uh, yeah, he'd Doxon. still have, he'd have that chip on his shoulder, manufactured or otherwise, if he's second off the board behind Tyree Kill, even though Tyree Kill has been good. All right, let's talk about some of the guys who aren't on the top 10 and let's start with the guy who was the number one overall pick the player for whom the Rams traded up to get in that move with the Titans to secure Jared Goff he's off the list he's gone even though he's got that gigantic contract which in the Rams eyes validates the decision to go get Jared Goff Chris why do you not have him among your top 10 in a quarterback driven league well, yeah, I mean, you know, hey, listen, the, the Rams, they were sold on Jared Goff. Let's, let's just say they, they also negotiated against themselves in that contract. They were like, hey, Jared, you want 30? And Jared was like, no. And they're like, okay, how about 32? And no, hey, how about 33 and a half? Sure, we'll give it to you. So uh, I, that's like a common trend in the NFL right now. But, you know, Jared Goff, again, to me, it, it is, is, a, is a good football player. And again, I, you know, I hate this. I don't want to talk negative about the guy all the time because I think people think I'm a Jared Goff hater. But to me, he epitomizes this era we're in right now where we just go, oh, the team's good. The quarterback must be one of the best quarterbacks in football. No, absolutely not. Uh, Jared Goff is a good football player. He's a middle-of-the-road starting quarterback in football. I don't think he's going to be in my top 16 in football last year he was i think number 18 or 19 on my list when i really got down into it and you know it goes back to the same old thing with me you know mike you've heard me and how i evaluate quarterbacks jared goff it's about what's there to be had and when there's nothing there to be had what do you do with it and to me you know he's a good player he's got a lot of things to be successful in the nfl but a lot of his success is dependent on sean mcveigh's ability to stress a defense defense out with his scheme and find completions for him. He gets a lot of silver platter completions, especially his first few years with McVay. Last year we saw people caught up to McVay's offense a little bit, and we saw big-time Strugglesville in a lot of games with Jared Goff because he's just not the type of physical talent like a Prescott or a Wentz to when the play does break down and things aren't there to where they can still make big things happen because they have the physical ability to carry their offense or their team that way. Peter, would you have put... I felt, Jared Goff in the top 10. No, I would. No, I would not. Although a year ago you might have, and a year from now you might if you did. Right. But I think Jared Goff was a lot better when he had an effective and uninjured Brandon Cooks and Sammy Watkins because 
Those are legitimate field stretchers. And Chris is absolutely right. This was a team that when it was at its peak offensively was uh, scheming, you know, scheming the heck out of what they were doing on offense right. with Sean McVay. And then I think the league caught up a little bit with them. I, I remember that Thursday night game, not that you're going to want to talk about this, Mike, but the Thursday night game against the Vikings where right. he made two deep throws in the first half. I think it was like a, a 55-yard TD to Brandon Cooks right in his hands, one step into the end zone. It was utterly beautiful. And that is what you can do when you've got good, effective, legitimate speed. And that is what, to me, the Rams are going to be looking for this year. And with Jared Goff, I look at the Bears at number nine. Now, look, DeForest Buckner at number nine, you got to take him. But when you consider what the Bears did the next year in trading up to get Mitchell Trubisky, I don't think either guy's the answer, but I think Goff at nine in 2016 would have been a hell of a lot better, and that's an understatement, than Trubisky at number two the next year. But I think the Bears would have been sorely tempted to take Goff if he was there at number nine. They were getting toward the end of their run with Jay Cutler. No running backs in the top 10 here, Chris. Yeah. Ezekiel Elliott off altogether. And look, the guy had a huge impact right out of the gates. Why? And he had 1,300 yards last year, even though we believe he was had he was in a down year. 1,300 yards is not a down year. Why is he not in your top 10? Well, he, I mean, again, he's really good. Derrick Henry's not in my top 10 either. And, I, you know, as I sat there and did the list, I, I couldn't believe I didn't put them in there either. Now, I think a little bit is like the devaluing of the running back position to a degree. But I, I think really the big factor is, and, you know, you guys have hit on it, this top 10 list or, you know, then that's basically what I do. Like, I'm not going back into 2016 and getting in the weeds of team needs or anything. This is more or less like how I looked at it as like the top 10 players from the draft that year. But the, the, the biggest thing is, yeah, I think the running back position, the devaluing of that. And, you know, they both have had a few so-so years in their career. But more importantly, these top 10 players are really freaking good. I mean, they're at the top of the league in their position groups as well, just like Derrick Henry and Ezekiel Elliott. But you know, I think there's more value at these positions maybe than the running back position. I'm no Coughlin. I'm no Gettleman. I am not taking a running back in the top 10, period. End of story. Yeah. It doesn't matter who he is. I would much rather look where Derrick Henry went 45 in this draft. Here's a That's question. Right. What's better? Taking Derrick Henry at 45, taking Ezekiel Elliott at four or five, or Saquon Barkley at two. You That's do not point, take right. running backs in the top 10. Yeah, unless you think it's going to be Barry Sanders, Adrian Peterson, Emmett Smith, an all-time great. I mean, I think that's the only time I would do it. If I, And how do you know? How do you know that you are getting a guy Where who is Where was Emmett Smith be, taken, though? He was, he was a top 20 pick, something like that. He was a first-rounder. But my point right is, 20, unless you yeah. – 
unless you're confident you are getting an all-time great. That's why I had hesitation about the Panthers taking Christian McCaffrey at number eight, and they didn't use him very much as a rookie. It's like, how are you – use the eighth overall pick on somebody who's going to be on the field and take a running back later if you're not going to put the guy out there. You've got to use him to justify that placement. I mean, the Jaguars with Leonard Fournette, the Bears get all the heat for not taking Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. The Jaguars, Chris, as you said, they clung to Blake Bortles in 2017 when they could have had Mahomes or Watson. Now they got to deal with Watson twice per year and they got to deal with Mahomes for playoff positioning and postseason clashes if and when the Jaguars ever make it back there. So, uh, yeah, look, I I am only taking that running back in the top 10 if I am damn sure he's going to be a transcendent talent who is headed to the Hall of Fame. Now, Saquon Barkley may get there and I think that's why the Giants did it, but you better be confident, beyond confident that that's who you're getting. Any other names, Chris, that you struggled with who got left out of this top 10 who you think maybe could have made it in? Well, I I don't, you know, Yannick Ngakwe to what Peter said. I mean, again, the pass rusher, a guy that can come off the edge and get after the quarterback. We know how important that is in the NFL. You know, Jack Conklin was in the running there for a little bit. You know, the other names that jumped off to me, and again, I don't think they were, you know, Xavier Howard, of the Miami Dolphins. He's one of the better corners in football. You know, he wasn't healthy last year, so people kind of forget him. But, of course, the Dolphins made him one of the highest paid at that position. And then, hey, Miles Jack, Deion Jones, just to throw out two other names who deserve just some credit for what they did out of that 2016 class. I mean, Miles Jack is and Deion Jones are two of the, the best middle linebackers in the game. And they were one of those guys that were just on the outside looking in on this. And you know what? The bottom line is this. When we've got guys taken in the top 10, when you carry that title into the NFL, that can affect you. And for some of the guys who ended up being great, Michael Thomas, the extra drive he got from not being a first-round pick, I feel like that's part of who he became. And I'd love to see how he would have developed and how all these guys would have developed, especially the ones who are motivated by the fact that they didn't get drafted as highly as they would have liked to. Is that a real factor in your mind, Peter, that if a guy falls down the board and turns that into extra motivation, that if he ends up being a top 10 pick, maybe he doesn't have that additional drive? I mean, I think that clearly has been the case with Michael Thomas. Obviously, it was the case with Tom Brady. But I I think, Mike, I think almost every person who gets drafted, let's go back to Chris Sims's year. Every person who gets drafted thinks he got drafted too low. Every one, unless you're pick number one overall. And so everybody's going to have that chip on the shoulder. The question is, what are you able to do with that? You know, what can you do with that? And what do you do with that? And those are the things that I think really matter. It, it, Mike, it's definitely real. When you're, when you're drafted, not, you know, when you're drafted first round and you go into an organization, they roll out the red carpet. They tell you how great they are. They want you to be great because, of course, it's their pick and it was an important pick. And there's a lot of scrutiny and analyzing around it. You know, the second, third, fourth, fifth round pick, that guy, he wakes up every morning getting ready for football or practice or OTAs going, man, they cheated me. I should have been a first-round pick. The guy who got drafted in the first round, he's waking up every morning going, man, I'm the man. I can't wait to go to work. And it's a very real aspect in a player's mind and motivation. Yeah, and I think that is the key. There are some first-round picks who aren't upset 
that they weren't drafted higher. They they are allowing themselves to believe they've arrived when they really haven't arrived, and maybe they don't have that same drive that they would have if they truly were upset. And and that's the challenge. That's the competitive drive. We see it play out every Sunday night when we see new episodes of The Last Dance, the things Michael Jordan did to constantly motivate him. You either have that or you don't. And you can find motivation in anything or you can't. And you'll make stuff up if you have to, like Michael Jordan did when he claimed LeBradford Smith said nice game, Mike, to him, when he actually didn't. And Jordan knew he didn't, but Jordan made himself think he did just to give himself motivation for the next night, it's amazing <laughs> yeah. what the human brain can do when you're looking for motivation. But, you know, and, and I guess that's the point. The, Michael Thomas, even if Michael Thomas had been the first overall pick, he'd have found a way to be upset about it. They I didn't think call so. me soon enough. They should right. have used only 30 seconds of time, not nine minutes of time on the clock. How dare they not recognize? They should have signed me to a contract before the draft even began, whatever it may be. But that, the, the true great ones will find that motivation in anything or nothing at all. Let's take a break. When we return, a second rounder from the 2019 draft is determined to buck a trend and make his Hall of Fame GM look good for a change. We'll explain that next here on PFT Live. Drew Locke, the latest quarterback experiment for GM John Elway. Ever since Peyton Manning chose Denver, it's been hard for Elway to choose great quarterbacks. Now Locke, showing signs of being the guy who breaks the trend, said Locke recently. I know there's been a lot of talk about the quarterbacks in Denver. You know, Peyton was the man there. Obviously, we've had some good ones and up and down quarterbacks in there. I didn't want to be that for John Elway. I wanted to be a steady guy for him. I wanted to show everybody that they drafted the right quarterback. By all appearances, Locke is the guy. It's still early. My God, he looks so much like Jerry Mathers from Leave it to Beaver. But anyway, I digress. Doesn't he look like – Peter, are we the only old guys who know who Jerry Mathers is? He looks exactly like Jerry Mathers. And, <laughs> I mean, just how old would Jerry Mathers be now? 70? I He's mean, in the 70s, yeah. The Beaver is 70 years old? That's, yes, that is, yes. That would really be amazing. And 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 by the way, Mike, we have not talked about Frank Costanza. And I understand that this is a national football show. And Frank Costanza, probably you talked a lot about the other day, but I mean, this is the first time that we have been together and you have not made one Festivus reference. Yeah, I, I'm in I'm in Festivus morning. And there one of the things I realized and, and actually, Peter, I became aware that Jerry Stiller passed just before we started the show on Monday. And I was upset about it. I mean, most of the you know, the celebrity death, it happens. It's the circle of life. What can you do? People are in their 90s and they pass. I can't get upset about every one of them or you never function. This one hit me. Jerry Stiller was hilarious. And I think one of the reasons it affected me, Peter. And, and again, this is another old guy comment. Back in the 70s, I watched the Carol Burnett show every week. Chris Sims doesn't know who Carol Burnett is. but I, I don't I know any of remember. these people. You're both old. Chris, Tell Peter, somebody under remember, 30 who the hell you're talking about. Do, do you remember Stiller and Mira on the Carol Burnett show? It was Jerry Stiller and his wife, Ann yeah. Mira, and they yeah. were hilarious. So the moment he showed up on Seinfeld in the 90s, I'm like, hey, it's the guy from the Carol Burnett show. So I've always had an affinity for him. He was excellent. He was hilarious. And I'm glad you brought up Frank Costanza. We could talk about Frank Costanza for the rest of the hour for all I care. I have a feeling we wouldn't have a show tomorrow if I did. But uh, 
But yes, uh, rest in peace, Jerry Stiller, a, a comic okay, icon, I a and Drew I've thought Locke, about him a lot. I have the past a Drew Locke thought. All right, I've got a Drew Locke thought. Okay, he is the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Look at the last two drafts, and I don't just mean Drew Locke in 2019 in the second round. Look at what they have done for Drew Locke. Let's say the last three drafts, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Deshaun Hamilton in the slot, Noah Fant at tight end, uh, and Philip Lindsay out of nowhere, a thousand yard right. rusher each of the first two years. And now you go and get a low cost Melvin Gordon as the backup. It's incredible. We haven't even talked about KJ Hamler. John Elway told me the great story about K.J. Hamler. Remember his 100-yard kickoff return uh, for Penn State against Michigan? Yeah. Elway told me that th when the scouts were watching that right after the season, this is when they're all in the same room. The scouts are watching it, and Elway said, hey, <clears throat> that guy is so fast. Let's time him in the 40 when he gets going. So they timed him like from the 30, his own 30, to the uh, opposing 40, okay? They got our, our opposing 30. They got a 40-yard dash, and he ran it in 3.93 seconds. And Elway just said, this guy's incredible. We got to get this guy. And <clears throat> what's so great about this is the Denver Broncos looked at the Kansas City Chiefs and said, okay, you got Tyreek Hill, you got Sammy Watkins, you got McCole Hardman. We'll call you that and we'll raise you KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and Deshaun Hamilton. And let's see who wins. Now, the only problem, it, Drew Locke might not be Patrick Mahomes. So we'll see. No, well, he's not. I, I'll just tell you, he's not Patrick Mahomes, but he is damn good. And I think he has a chance to be real special. Patrick Mahomes special? I don't know about that. I mean, I think all three of us would agree this is about as special as we've ever seen come into the NFL, especially after only three years in the league. But Locke has a chance to be really special, too. Locke was a first-round talent last year. Mike's heard me say this a million times. He's probably sick of hearing me say it. You know, he just he got, he got docked because his team fell apart his last year at Missouri, and people blamed him. So that was stupid. But, man, the talent, to Peter's point, around him right now is scary good. And, hey, to let you know where they got a leg up on Kansas City a little bit, of course their offense is not going to be hitting on all cylinders like Kansas City. It's going to take a little time. But the talent is eye-opening, just like Kansas City. And the Broncos got a leg up as far as on the Chiefs is, are concerned. Their defense. I mean, the Broncos' defense is the real deal. And when you got Bradley Chubb coming back and Jarrell Casey, you better watch out. And, you know, to, to what Drew Locke is saying, too, that's very real when he talks about, like, not wanting to let John Elway down. I mean, you, you guys know this. When you're around good people who have faith in you, you want to make sure you prove them right. You know, I mean, gosh, you know, John Gruden, hey, there was times where I wanted to shove it up where the sun don't shine sometimes with my, my play and be like, hey, eat that, buddy. Talk some more crap to me. But really, at the end of the day, I wanted to please him because I knew he had faith in me. You know, hey, we work with Tony Dungy. I want to be a good person when I'm around Tony Dungy because I know he's so good. I don't want to disappoint him. So that's a very real yeah, aspect of, yeah. of a you quarterback. Fa you fail every, <laughs> you fail every Sunday the moment you walk into the viewing room and say, what's up, expletive deleted. Sorry, coach. <laughs> You're right. He probably doesn't like me. <laughs> um, all right, we got a break.
but but when you you know one one guy I thought of while the Broncos were continuing to amass weapons is Aaron Rodgers, who had to be wondering, why can't I be the quarterback of the Denver Broncos? And maybe he will be at some point down the road. For now, Aaron Rodgers isn't the only Green Bay offensive player with a right to be a little cranky. And that player has inspired today's PFT Live draft that's coming up right here on Pro Football Talk Live. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Goal for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. Friday, July 26th on NBC and Peacock. At the theater, more than the movies come to life. Movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app. Ready to grab some snacks. Pick me! me. And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. (laughs) Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. And Aaron, I mean, on the field, you tied only Christian McCaffrey for the most combined touchdowns in football. I know my answer to this question. I want to know yours. Do you feel like you get enough credit for what you did last year? Uh, no, sir, I definitely don't. Um, but used to it. Um, I called it last year. I said uh, I was going to lead the league in touchdowns. That's Aaron Jones, Packers running back with Jack Collinsworth from distant training. And look, we had Aaron Jones and his entire family on stage with us, if you remember, Chris, at the Super Bowl. Aaron Jones is a great personality, great player. At one point last year, Aaron Rodgers was stumping for Aaron Jones to be an MVP consideration. So I agree. He definitely doesn't get the credit he deserves for the full conversation between Jack Collinsworth and Aaron Jones. You can check it out at NBCSports.com. Again, that's distanced training with Jack Collinsworth. All right. So uh, before we get to the draft, Guys, do we agree with Aaron Jones? I do. Chris, do you? Peter, do you? I, I do. I do. I totally agree with Aaron Jones. I mean, yeah, he's 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 underappreciated. There, there's no doubt about that. You know, it, it was his first year as being a major player on the scene. And I just think that it always, my estimation or just looking at history, it takes that second year for everybody to jump on the bandwagon and realize how good of a player you are. So, yeah, I don't think he gets quite the credit he deserves from last year, but it's the first time he was a household name, and I think this year you'll hear a lot more about him. Peter? It's the exact, it's the exact same thing that Dorsey Levins went through when he was good in Green Bay. The quarterback is so transcendent and so good that he's going to suck all the attention and all the air out of the famous room. 
And so that's why I think that a running back, especially a low-drafted running back, uh, is not going to get very much attention. All right. Well, thank you to Aaron Jones for inspiring today's draft. Players who deserve more credit. We're going to dispense with the trivia question. We're going to get right to it. Peter's first, then Sims, then me. Peter, you are on the clock with the first pick in round one. Players who deserve more credit in the National Football League. Number one, Ryan Ramchick, left tackle, New Orleans Saints. He's a top five, maybe top three NFL left tackle, and yet he gets almost zero attention. Now, for whatever reason that is, but from the time he was drafted, the Mickey Loomis, Jeff Ireland, Sean Payton drafts lately have been very, very good, and this was an excellent pick of theirs three years ago, and to me... I look at Ryan Ramchick and I basically say the Saints have their protector for whoever it's going to be. Drew Brees this year and then either Taysom Hill or whoever in all the years after. And they never have to worry about that position for the next six or eight years. Yeah, good pick by you, Peter. I mean, there's a lot of offensive linemen I wrote down because they don't, none of them get enough credit, for my, in my opinion. But yeah, Ramchick is... You know, he's in the conversation for the best right tackle in the game, and he is dominant that way. So that's a good pick by you. I'm going to go with Chandler Jones out of the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, you know, the guy had 19 sacks last year. He's a double-digit sack machine ever since he's come into the NFL. And since he's gone to Arizona, I mean, last year it was 19 sacks. The year before that, it was 13. The year before that, it was 17 sacks. And I believe leading the NFL or maybe second, whatever it may be. But, you know, again, I know we all know who he is. But like a Ryan Ramschek, you just we don't give him credit or put him in the category as one of the best pass rushers in football because the Cardinals have been a little irrelevant over the last few years. So uh, to me, he is a guy that is grossly underappreciated in the big picture of things for how good he is and what he does on the edge of that defense. See, and I'm going to disagree with you. I think Chandler Jones gets plenty of credit. He gets a lot more credit as a pass rusher than my first pick, and that is Vikings defensive end. Daniel Hunter. Here's what little credit Daniel Hunter gets. Chris gets his name wrong 75% of the time and calls him Danielle or Daniel, <laughs> anything but Daniel. Let's get his name right first. If you can't get his name right, he's not getting enough credit. He had 14 and a half sacks last year, got his first Pro Bowl bid, which he deserved. By the way, Peter Ramchick got snubbed for the Pro Bowl, at least on the initial ballot last year. But I think Hunter is a guy who is on the cusp of becoming a force in the NFL. He already is. People just don't realize it yet and I don't know whether it's because they had Everson Griffin there who was the guy who was regarded as their top pass rusher obviously he's gone now but but Hunter is a, a cornerstone member of that defense he set the record for the most sacks in league history before the age of 25 uh Daniil Hunter much uh, bigger than uh he gets credit for my next pick is Devontae Parker wide receiver Miami Dolphins I mean look he was playing in a patchwork offense last year with two quarterbacks. And, you know, obviously neither of them right now anyway is a franchise quarterback. And so all he does is catch 72 balls for 16.7 yards per catch. Totally emerged from his previous three years of slumbering in this offense. He was on the trade block at one point. And I think Miami now has a receiver to build around for Tua Tonga Valoa. 
Yeah, that's a good one. No doubt about it. He really jumped on the scene last year. He, he's a big-time football player. If he, his health has been the only issue with Devontae Parker. I mean, if, if, if he can just stay healthy, he, he can be one of the best in the game. He showed that last year. Uh, I'm, I'm going to stay at the, re, at the receiver position, too. You know, it's a guy that's being talked about, like, a lot right now because of current circumstances. But we've talked about it on this show many a times who never gets the credit they deserve, and that's Mike Evans down in Tampa Bay. I mean, Mike Evans has been one of the five best receivers in football for the last five years. I mean, he's 6'5", and he ran 4'3'7", and he just, whether it's average yards per catches, catches, touchdowns, whatever it is, he is constantly open. It's not like he gets a lot of bullcrap stats, and when I say that, I mean like little game plan design plays where, oh, wow, he caught a three-yard pass, and no, he doesn't get any of those easy-type receptions that way. What he's asked to do is run 20-yard comebacks, run 50-yard go routes, run post routes, run 20-yard in cuts. Uh, he's got great size, great ability, can run after the catch. And, yeah, I just don't feel like he gets thrown into that household name category at the wide, re- wide receiver position enough, just like with Chandler Jones, because the team hasn't been relevant enough. Yeah, but again, Evans was a first-round draft pick, and I understand he hasn't gotten a whole lot of credit during his time in the NFL, and he has been better than people realize, but he entered the league with that pedigree of a first-round pick. He was a top-ten pick. He was the second receiver taken. He was drafted before Odell Beckham Jr., so he did arrive with that, that, that fame and that recognition. And I say all that because in 2017, my next pick is a guy who arrived in round seven, and the next year his team tried to draft his replacement, and it hasn't worked yet. I'm talking about running back Chris Carson, who was indeed a seventh-round pick, who's got a couple of thousand-yard seasons. They drafted Rashad Penny in round one the year after Carson arrived in Seattle as, as a running back, and Penny has never been able to get Carson off the field. And they asked Pete Carroll, the coach of the Seahawks from time to time, why isn't Penny playing more? It's like, well... Chris Carson's pretty damn good. And, you know, as we go through, and and one of the things that convinced me that Carson doesn't get the credit he deserves, after Christian McCaffrey signed his second contract with the Panthers, we went through and put a list together of the other players from that, that year, 2017, who are next up to get paid. And I, I forgot about Chris Carson. I had to be reminded of Chris Carson. It's like, well, Chris Carson is a guy that I think we all need to be reminded of because he doesn't get the credit he deserves for being the engine for that Seattle Seahawks running game. All right, Peter, you're up next, round three. I'm going to take Mark Andrews, tight end, Baltimore Ravens. I mean, you know, look, this has been fairly well documented, but obviously they traded Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst, first round tight end in 2018. Mark Andrews, third round tight end in 2018. Very rarely does a team ever take two tight ends that high, but the Ravens did, and they're glad that they did. Not only were they able to trade Hayden Hurst and get the 55th pick in the in the draft back this year so that they could take uh, Dobbins, the running back from Ohio State. And and so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty good trade-off for them. But now they've still got two very good tight ends to sort of build their intermediate passing game around. Mark Andrews is not just, you know, a a 10-yard per catch guy, catch the ball, fall down. 14.3 yards a catch over his first two years. This is a guy who is going to be in multiple Pro Bowls 
uh, before he gets to the end of his career. Yeah, he is, and he's he's a huge he's the go-to guy on that offense. I mean, more than Hollywood Brown was last year or anything. I mean, the more the more you watch the Baltimore Ravens, you start to realize a lot of their game plan design pass plays were around Mark Andrews and and his talent. So he is he's integral in their success to run the ball and throw the ball. Um, all right, I don't I don't like any of my picks today because I don't get to rebuttal any of Mike. Mike's just going to crap on every one of my picks and then. Tell me how great his pick is, and I don't get the rebuttal on <laughs> yep. any of it. I mean, what a Too bunch bad. of bullcrap all that is. I mean, Sucks right, to I mean, be Chan- you. Chandler Jones is better than Daniel Hunter. He doesn't get the credit Daniel Hunter does. Nobody there it talks is. about it. The there it is. You just, got so his name. you just got his name wrong twice. You just that's got right. his name wrong twice. Well, it's maybe Daniel. that's the problem. It's Daniel. That's the problem. Mrs. Hunter, Daniel, 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 whatever. <laughs> it's a confusing name. I don't give a damn. Maybe that's why you don't get credit, okay? But my last pick is going to be Joe Joe Mixon, all right? Joe Mixon will be my last pick because Joe Mixon, again, is like I feel horrible for it. Stop laughing, all right? Is, you know, again, the the running back position, and this is what stinks about football, you know, you could be one of the best players in the sport. If you got no help around you or anything like that, nobody will ever know. And in Cincinnati, I mean, you know, they haven't had a great pass game. Of course, their O-line has been crappy the last few years. And Mixon's one of the more talented running backs in the game. You know, his stats show that. But all you got to do is watch the Bengals and watch a game and watch Joe Mixon. And you'll go, man, this guy's special. He makes chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what a lot in Whoa. that offense. Yes. 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 Uh, I got close Whew. there, huh? But I didn't Yeah, you did. It. Yep. So that's my last pick. All right, last one for me, and you know what? Since it's the last pick of the draft and we're almost out of time and you guys can't complain about it, I'm going with a two-pack. I'm going with the Lions' top receivers, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones Jr. Who are they? Nobody knows. They're great. They don't get enough credit. Galladay is one of the special receivers in the NFL, and the Lions need to pay him or he's going to hit the open market and say, see you, Detroit. Marvin Jones Jr. had that four-touchdown game last year. He got a little banged up later in the season, but those two guys don't get the credit they deserve. We need to take a break. When we return, we got some viewer reaction to our discussion about who throws the best deep ball in the NFL. We'll tell you what they had to say when PFT Live continues right after this. We put out a question via the Chris Sims Twitter account, which he does not manage or maintain, uh, which, you know, that there would be a lot more misspellings, I think, if Chris was the one who was actually maintaining his own Twitter account. But there was a tweet that was posted discussion we had on pft live who throws the best deep ball his picks were deshaun watson today all time warren moon and we've asked for some input how about at ta hutch 76 honorable mention to jeff blake there's a there's a blast from the past guys jeff blake i don't even remember his deep ball or his short ball or anything he did but, but Mike, I'll say this. He was on my list as one of the best deep ball throwers. It, that was one thing I, I really did. You know, growing up, it, he was really the one that jump-started the conversation between me and my father about being a good deep ball thrower and what it takes and Jeff Blake's ability to throw the ball high in the air to who was his go-to guy? Was that Carl Pickens back in the day? That was his go-to guy, right? Carl but man, Pickens, they had a co- yeah. They, yeah. Right, they had some combination, and Blake would throw the ball a mile high in the air, and uh, it was very effective. Good talk, guys. Okay, I'll keep the comments going, all right? Peter, I like more I, I, you know, Deshaun Watson, too. I'm, I'm, yep, I mean, I know you're probably texting. I don't know what you're doing over there. No. 
Let's go. I was leaving space. I was leaving space for Peter to chime in. Peter chose not to chime in, so you did. That's I don't how handle it goes. my Twitter page one, because I'm paying attention to TV that's when I'm on one of the, TV, unlike you. You jerk. That's one of the challenges of the three-man weave. All right. Another one here from J.R. Rosenthal. He goes Patrick Mahomes. Why have we overlooked Patrick Mahomes? How is it that none of us mentioned Patrick Mahomes, Peter? Why does it have to be a viewer who raises him in this conversation? Because clearly Mahomes has a great deep ball. He's got a great deep ball, but I mean, there's probably 20 guys we didn't mention. You know, Mike Ditko once said that a guy who could stand at one goal line, he did it all the time. Nobody even knows who this guy is. Rudy Bukic could stand on one goal line and throw to the other goal line, which he did in practice a lot. So a lot of these guys have great arms downfield. The question is not who's the best quarterback. It's who throws the prettiest deep ball that I've ever seen. That happens to be Michael Vick. Yeah, And you know what? With Mahomes, I'm in less awe of his deep ball because it's the other stuff. That is so amazing, Chris. The no-look pass, course, the yeah. laser he throws, not the the deep ball out. Everybody can do that. Nobody can do the other stuff that Mahomes does. Well, exactly right. And, you know, I mean, we know Mahomes can throw the deep ball and as good as anybody in the sport, too. It's not always like that crisp, perfect spiral like a Michael Vick or Deshaun Watson if we're going to get really nitpicky about it. But you're right. I mean, you know, Mahomes, I, I intentionally leave him out of some of these conversations at times because – you know, of course, he's the best player in football. It's like talking about Bill, should Bill Belichick be coach of the year every year? Yeah, he should probably win it just about every year. But he's so damn good that we have to relegate it to some other people at times. Or currently, like with Michael J- Jordan. Michael Jordan should have been the MVP of the NBA the whole 90s for the most part. But at some point, he's become so great and so good that we try to give some love to some other people. But come on, Mahomes is the man. I know that. All right, from good things to bad things, when we return, we're going to bring back a topic from yesterday. Items that Chris and I have reached the saturation point for our lifetimes on. For me, it's fireworks shows. For Chris, it's PB&J. We're going to find out what Peter King has had enough of when PFT Live continues right after. One of the realities of getting older, you will reach a point where you have decided, that's it, I've had enough. Best example for me, fireworks shows. I don't need to go to another fireworks show. I've seen them all. You know, I was going to use peanut butter and jelly for my example because, that you know, I went through. <laughs> mom, mom packed me peanut butter and jelly every day for lunch for like nine years in a row. And I had to take like a six-year hiatus from it. Now it's back to being delicious again. We put out, at least Chris did on Twitter, a call for folks to share some of the things that they have reached their saturation point of. Some of them cannot be uttered. Some of them are hilarious. Pop-Tarts, Tuco's Grill does not like Pop-Tarts. Tuco, what's wrong with you? Pop-Tarts are awesome. You can never get sick of Pop-Tarts. I know it was like special to your generation, right? Because there was nothing like that ever. When you were a young kid, it probably became very popular, no? Because you're really old? That was fun. And by the way, control room, I saw what you did. I saw what you did in the middle of that clip. I saw it, and I hold grudges. Oh, yes, I hold grudges. Peter, what have you had enough of? Basically, Twitter tough guys. You know, people <laughs> thinking that they're know-it-alls on Twitter. I, I just, I mean, it's absolutely absurd. I just basically, I, I, I'm on Twitter about one-tenth of what I used to be because... Mostly, the people who respond to you are jerks. 
That's my, I've had enough of them. I hear you there. I get it. I know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's Joe, the plumber's telling Peter King how to write an article. And it, it, it drives me crazy too. <laughs> it wears me out at times too. I don't understand that, but uh, it is what it is. And we got to deal with it. The toughest thing to do is to exercise restraint. I win that battle. I don't know. 85% of the time. We'll see you tomorrow. Everybody have a great day. See ya.